2: Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester Is Red Podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fair, and I'm joined this week by Samuel Luckhurst. Good afternoon, Rich. And by the returning Tyrone Marshall. You've been sunning it up. How are you doing, Ty?
1: I'm very good. Thank you, Rich. Very good. Absolutely mm. delighted to be back. Having missed the only arguably the only two interesting games of the year so far, I was thrilled to be back for United Nil Watford Nil the
2: Edison Cavani approach, as we call it. You don't do February's, <laughs> do you? But, uh, we, we, can see,
0: we can see your tan, at least, through, through this.
1: Again. I know, I'm yeah, I, just from know, from I, 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 I painted the walls white, especially, just to, to, to show <laughs> a
2: little bit more. Yeah, if you listen to this on form, I urge you to watch the video, track it down on our social <laughs> media. <movies. laughs> Tyree Marshall's are Dale Winton he's come back refreshed <laughs> um, yeah it's looking good but uh, the weekend wasn't so bright and sunny was it you know united nil watford nil it was a, a very familiar story for united fans a game with high optimism and i guess it sums this united team up that just when you think that they've got another a doddle really at home to watford you know their last win was that game against united that ended Allegro Solskjaer's reign and then uh, that happens well oh, they, did they win against the villa didn't they or coming into us Watford uh, was, or was their last win yes. that game against yes, United? Yes. Against yeah, yeah. Won, so the yeah. other the only other game they'd won was the game against United I mean it looked like a guaranteed three points and yeah I mean Samuel is it just one of those games where you say it's a bad day at the office it just didn't go right for United or do you think it is a bigger crisis than, than it maybe looks like uh,
0: crisis is, is probably a push but it, it, because of those other performances and results in February, it just felt like Groundhog Day again, dominant first half. On this occasion, they didn't score, and then they didn't score whatsoever. And you just sense, if they miss a chance early on, they they have flashbacks of the Middlesbrough game, where they had enough chances to win a month full of games, uh, the, the Burnley game to a lesser extent, and, and even the Southampton game, where you, you'd say it was a stretch to say that they were dominant, but they certainly were worthy of their lead and could have gone in uh, two 0 up possibly, but you you just look at the way they take they go take they go about taking their chance at the moment. There's nothing natural about it. If Ronaldo misses a chance early on, he tenses up, he, he gets worse. Um, he has to be. He, we all know that because of his age, he wants a head start on the last man, and that has resulted in him being flagged offside a ridiculous amount of times now. But Fernandez was probably more culpable. He had two very, very easy chances, really. One a one-on-one where he hits it too close at Foster. And the other one, he just needs to pretty much let the ball hit his boot and it probably goes in, but he, he tries to connect with it too much and it doesn't go anywhere near the goal. And it's, it's frustrating for us as, a, as, as journalists, really. I mean, Ty will attest to it. I was getting really wound up watching us nice at the weekend because I'm thinking we've got eight days until the Derby. We've got absolutely bugger all to go out here pretty much because it's just the same kind of result, the same kind of performance, the same wastefulness. And... Ty was saying to me towards the end, he said, they're going to get an out-of-time goal here. And I said, no, they're not. I, 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 there was not one point where I thought, yeah, they're definitely going to score here. I, I'd probably say as soon as Ronaldo hit the post in the fourth or fifth minute, I thought this this is probably going to be one of those days. And they've had one of those days far too often recently. Rangnick was, was pretty much faultless in the way he went about managing the game. I thought before the before the games, one or two of his selections were maybe you, know, you could have said they were possibly frivolous, but United's build-up play, their control of the game was really good. He made the right substitutions, taking Fred off for Sancho was logical, Then there were two more attack-minded changes. And it was all on the players, as um, the Middlesbrough game was was all on the players, and, and the Burnley game was all on the players as well. Uh, I, I don't think that it was a game where you could do a... There was any point doing a tactical breakdown of it. I don't think there have been many games that United have been involved in um from that aspect in in February at all it's just it comes down to them not not being able to finish and I'm sure we'll get into Ronaldo's situation shortly but it's it's not a crisis simply because the manager will not get sacked because he's the interim and the the top four situation is so open that you just know that Tottenham will drop more points. West Ham will drop more points. I thought West Ham had gone above United after they won against Wolves yesterday, the way Moyes were celebrating, but they're still not above them. They're, they're, they're only fifth. And Arsenal are doing a very good job of seeing off the fodder, but their games in hand are against, I think, Spurs, Chelsea and, and Liverpool. So there's no way they're going to break ahead of the pack, I don't think. It will probably go down to the final day of the season and and whoever finishes fourth will have finished by default, really. I think those who don't finish um, in that fourth place will probably be nearer the bottom than the top, the way things are going.
2: Yeah, so that fourth race, you're not going to be racing through the ribbon, are you, on the finish line? You're going to be stumbling over it the way it's going. Ty, I guess that's what's so interesting about United at the moment is they are controlling games and Ranić could sort of twist it to say, well, we're better at the... In defence, you know, keeping more clean sheets, we're looking solid, we are at least looking more in control of games, which, you know, was the criticism at the start of the season of Solskjaer so often, United just were so easy to play against and just never looked in control. OK, they're not perfect now, but do you think it is just a case of if they get an early goal and things can be different, or do you think we've seen enough in the recent weeks that there are bigger issues at play that even when United do score, you don't necessarily back them?
1: Yeah, I think both, really. Yeah. Um... I mean, the game on Saturday reminded me quite a bit of the West Ham game, which is part of the reason I thought they were going to get a late winner and that they did control it and they were never really threatened. Rannick had said pre-match that Watford's biggest threat was was on transitions and, and on counter-attacks and their, Watford's best players are probably their, their front three of Dennis, Saar and, and probably King, certainly Dennis and Saar dangerous players who can turn it on their day they were controlled well by United I mean it, mean, it means it needs saying that Watford were abject and offered absolutely yeah. nothing going forward at all um but United did control it they did control the threat of any counter-attacks and let's not forget the early in the season Watford absolutely tore United apart and okay that was at home and it was under Solskjaer but that was a 4-1 that was arguably flattering to United certainly two in the first half was flattering to United I think Watford had than like twelve or thirteen shots in the first half that game. A lot of them were very good chances. Um, so th- there's, there's been improvement in controlling games. They are controlling games better. They're, they're creating more chances as well. Um, I mean, I don't think it's it it is. It, it, it often has to feel if they don't take an early chance, then they they struggle to create as many. But I think that's arguably natural in a game. And there was a lot of movement in that front three or front four early on on Saturday. And I think Watford were, were still trying to sort of work that out and where Paul Pogba was playing. It's it's inevitable that by the time the game gets to the 50th, 60th minute, they've got a grip on things. And it gets harder to create as many chances as the first 20 minutes when Watford didn't quite know what was coming at them. I mean, they showed against West Ham they can score late winners. They've scored a lot of late winners this season, certainly in the Champions League. Um, so I think they can keep going. But you know it does feel like their heads drop fairly easily. They played, you know, they played well in the first half on, on Saturday. I didn't think they played particularly well in the second half. Like I said, Watford got a grip on it, it. It felt harder for United to create chances. And there's there's not a lot to come off the bench at the moment. The form of Ronaldo is is an obvious issue when he's the primary goal-getter in that team. Um, so there are a, a few issues. I think it was, you know, Fernandez. tried to sell it as a bad day at the office after the game, I think. Most of that is 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 right. Normally, United would win that game on the balance of chances and they did control it, but you still shouldn't be making such hard work of of Watford. You should be having enough chances that there's almost an inevitability to one going in, when in the end, they, they created a flurry of chances early on, but then it, it got harder and harder work to, to create chances.
2: Yeah, I guess like you said that, Ty, that in isolation, you can write it off as a bad daily office, but the problem is, it's been a reoccurring theme, and another reoccurring theme is Ronaldo's poor form. Samuel, do you think that the fact that most of the focus has been on his poor form is unfair, or do you think it's it's justified, given his poor form? Because surely you can't just pin it all on Ronaldo and nil-nil draw.
0: No, you certainly can't and there is a lot of mitigation for why he is probably having the, the, the only genuine crisis of confidence that he's had in his whole career. I think for those of us who had the privilege of of watching him in his formative years at United, he he is cursing the heavens probably as, as regularly as he was back then, but back then it was because he had this regular knack of hitting the woodwork with really good efforts and the ball just wouldn't go in. Uh, but But then you knew that he would come good and he came very good. At the moment he just looks completely drained of confidence mark critchley um, our colleague said in the press room before the game he said he's like he's like Bruce Wayne the dark Knight rises before when he's in reclusive mode just someone who's just hobbling about the place and at the moment you, you you're not quite sure whether it's his spirit or his body that's that's broken he had a hip injury last month where he missed a couple of games and Maybe in ret- retrospect, that's that's still troubling him, but Bramley clarified after the game on Saturday that Ronaldo told him that he was fit. I think the, the, the one who's getting away with a bit of flack, um, which is probably right, why I've written a fair bit about him today, is Cavani, in that he is a fair-weather striker. Like February last year, in the second half of it, he's not played whatsoever. Um, during this period in February, United had... Uh, seven, I think, seven games in twenty-two days, and Cavani was available for just one of them, and he didn't even finish the game at Burnley. And of course, he missed the first game because he fancied a couple more days in Uruguay. Um, United don't have any other reliable goal scorers, and Cavani hasn't been reliable at all this season. I think he's missed twenty-two out of first seven games, which is an absolutely staggering amount. When he crosses the white line, Cavani is completely committed. Away from it, his commitment to attending matches is about as questionable as Joel Glazer's, uh, because neither of them want to be there. So Ronaldo's had to carry the can, and because of his profile and because of his goal-scoring record, that has probably that's probably taken a toll. And he has missed easy chances, even in the game against Brighton, where he scored a terrific goal. There were two headed chances that he should have buried. Um, I, I suppose he's, he's maybe not recovered from that penalty miss against Middlesbrough. We're, we're coming up to the FA Cup fifth round, and the reason we've not got a midweek match to cover is because United aren't in it, and that's where this this kind of, this rot set in. Um, they had, as I said, a hatful of chances that night and ended up going out on a penalty shootout. And I think that what must be the calling thing for Ronaldo and United they are dropping points or not beating really bad teams. Watford were dreadful at the weekend. I mean, Roy Hodgson's on this great run at Old Trafford of, I think, is it four games unbeaten, whatever it is, because he had a couple of really good wins with Palace. But he would have seen, I don't think, he, he, he'll have been beaten quite quite badly in the past at Old Trafford, but his team would have played a lot better than Watford did at the weekend. Middlesbrough were de- d- dismal as well at the start of the month and United just couldn't beat them either. So, it has to be shared around. As I said earlier, I think Fernandes has been particularly wasteful as well, probably more so at the weekend with, with the chances that he had. But Ronaldo, unfortunately, it just his, his body language. <coughs> um, the, the thing about the Old Trafford is that the tunnel's not on the halfway line. So there's not a quick escape route. He has to go to the southwest corner and has to face up the fans. And he, he, when he, when he, when the final shrill went, he just stood there on his own, lingering, isolated. And when he did approach the tunnel, his head was bowed, he was clapping the fans, but he was very shy about it because he knew that he'd had an absolute stinker. And when you look at the offside stats, it's not surprising. Mm. He's been caught offside 25 times in the Premier League this season. That six more than the, the next most flagged player. And those players who, who do get caught offside the most, I think... All of them are in their thirties. Um, I think it's Antonio, uh, Jamie Vardy, Raúl Jiménez. Um, who else was on it? Callum Wilson, who's literally just turned thirty. And there are a couple of anomalies there, like Jared Bowen and Ivan Tony. But they've spent most of their career playing in in the football league. So you kind of put it down to that that education, that that upbringing in the game. Ronaldo, at the moment, is getting caught offside so often that his birthplace might as well list it as offside, you know, going back to the Stragas folks and quote about Filippo Inzaghi all those years ago. And he he's very conscious that he hasn't got the legs to beat the last man, so he always wants to be ahead of the last man. And there have been a couple of goals United have scored this month where uh, they've been flagged offside because Ronaldo has been clearly offside and the latest was at the weekend. So there is a lot of mitigation um, and it's very obvious, as Romic has already said, that they need a young striker to pretty much carry the can next season as well. But when Ronaldo's starting six games in 22 days and you, know, it's, you you're, he's operating at a much more demanding level than he was accustomed to in Spain or Italy, it's, you know, it's, it's bound to take its toll. But one goal in the last 10 is still very, very um, worrying for him and United, which is, A major drop-off, given that in his first 20 games, he scored 14 goals up until the start of this year. He was having a good season, but since the start of the year, um, it's gone downhill.
2: Some stats then. Ronaldo has been caught offside six more times than any other player in the Premier League this season. And yeah. maybe this one's for you, Ty, rather than you, Samuel. But he's underperforming his xG by four point three two. So you know the stats are saying he scores four and a half <laughs> goals more than he does. But this is an interesting one. So um, in their last in their last six games, United have created nineteen big chances, which is the second most in the league. But they've converted just five of them. So, you know, goal scoring has been a major issue. Tight brings me on to the question for you then. If Cavani, you know, who knows if Cavani, I know the simple answer might say, well, play Cavani, we just don't know. What other solutions do you have in a short term to this? Do you say you drop Ronaldo, play Rashford through the middle? Do you play a false nine? What would you go for?
1: I mean, if Cavani's not available, it's, it's very hard to, to think of a solution, really. I don't think Rashford through the middle is. Particularly a solution, then you're looking at you're going to drop Ronaldo to make Jesse false nine. And it sounds pretty <laughs> unlikely, doesn't it? Um, so I, I don't think there is a solution beyond keep playing him at the moment. I think United are, are hamstrung really. They've just got to they've got to stick with him and and hope it comes back to him. But it you, know, you don't overreact with Ronaldo, but he is 37 and those. Of those twenty-five offsides, it feels like arthur have been this month. He's been offside so often this month, and often by huge distances as well. And what can't does, can't does, can't nine times this month. How I many, sorry? Nine. Nine, yeah. Nine. So well, about third, just under a third. It's not far, it's far off, off, is it? Yeah. Just over a third, it's not far off, yeah. Um, and it you know, it, it does feel like he's making these runs earlier because he's no longer trusting his his instincts to get in behind and his his pace to get in behind. So it's certainly a concern. I think it's, like I said, I don't think there's much thing to do about it this season. I think the bigger concern is what do they do in summer now? Because unless he he rediscovers that goal-scoring touch and gets back to his best in the last, what, two, three months of the season, United have got a major problem in the summer because I don't see Ed can go into next season and have ambitions of, of competing for fairly major trophies. If you're going to have a guy who turns 38, just over the halfway point of the season, leading your line, who has looked looked his age this season. And then if you're going to sign a replacement for him, what do you even do with Ronaldo? Do you have a backup striker who's the highest paid player in the Premier League? I mean, Ronaldo's not going to want to play second fiddle to anyone. So it's, it, it is presenting them with a dilemma this year, um, or, the, or this summer rather. And if he continues this form, I think they've got to act and they've got to sign someone. But it's only going to create problems this year. I don't think... I mean, it's ironic that at the start of the season, there was all these stats about his pressing and, you know, the the concerns about how is he going to fit in United? He's going to stop them pressing. No one's talking about his pressing at the moment because it's almost an irrelevance. Ranić has, Ranić has hardly made United into pressing monsters. I mean, they're a little bit better at pressing, but, you know, you watch Liverpool or City or Southampton play and, you know, that's pressing. What Man United do is not pressing, really. Um, and the biggest concern around Ronaldo isn't whether he presses opponents or not, whether he sticks the ball in the back of the net.
2: Yeah, exactly. And Simon, I guess maybe it brings on a question for you then. In your own opinion, maybe, do you think that signing a striker should be the priority this summer or do you still think it is central midfield? Because if you look at the points they've dropped, that's not been because of a bad central midfield in recent weeks, it's because they've not been scoring enough goals.
0: True. I'd still say the midfielders, that uh, they need a midfielder and a striker. I mean, whatever the order they go about getting them in, it's, it's kind of immaterial as long as they do get both of them in. Um, I mean, you go back to some of the the worst defeats they've they've had this season. The midfield has been a, a major issue. Whether it was Watford away, certainly Liverpool at home, um, Popper and Matic at Leicester away was, was so loose as well. Uh, so th- at the very minimum, they need that they, they need a, stri- a striker, and, and they'll need probably one midf- one midfielder, maybe even two. As we've said before, it depends on the situations and number of players. Even asking Rangnick about Dean Henderson's situation, whether there was now an acceptance at United that he would have to be sold, Rangnick just said that has to be, you know, that, that decision will be made in the summer, which is just code for the next manager will make will make that call. Which I can understand, but it does leave United behind the curve, and it does give their rivals. Well, I mean, Liverpool and City aren't really their their rivals as far as the football goes these days, but. It gives those those clubs a head start on them as far as um, you know competing for the title goes next season, which ultimately has to be the end. goal for United, it can't. You know, if, if they're still, if they want to be a top four uh, contenders for the next couple of years, then they might as well just pack it up now, really, because they've had enough of that over the last eight years. So, um, I mean, Cavani will go and. You know, it's, it has been noticeable that his chart hasn't been aired as, as much recently, and that's not because he's just been injured. Uh, it's it, you know, he, he usually gets serenaded whether he's there or not, but he'll go, and there are going to be a lot of attack-minded players that leave that club in the summer. Matter has been in relevance this season, but that's another body uh, who leaves, and that's you know, quite big wages off the books as well. Lingard and Pogba, obviously it's well documented there that They're also almost certainly going to go. So whether it's a striker or a forward, um, they need an attack-minded signing in there. And the more you think about it as well with United, I think that it's getting to the point that you can see a scenario in the summer where they they possibly need six signings, um, Mm -hmm. possibly a backup keeper. Possibly a centre-back, because what the hell is the point in keeping Eric by uh, seven games this season? I think he's going to actually, by the end of it, he, he'll I think he'll have been here six seasons, he'll have been at United six seasons, and he might not even have a 20-game average by that point. He's on 113 at the moment, and he'll be hard-pushed to play seven more games this season. Midfield, obviously they already need one, they might need two need at least one forward um maybe if 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 marshall goes they need to bring in another forward uh there's there's the right back situation as well so you can see how it can very very easily and very very quickly snowball um and and as for this the profile of the striker they go for it's it's very very difficult obviously Haaland would be absolutely ideal but that there must be you know long odds to sign him at the moment given that they're not guaranteed to qualify for the Champions League and even if they do I think if you're one of his advisors Manchester City or, or Real Madrid or even Bayern Munich are, are far better uh, and more suitable fits than than United especially as you still don't know who the United manager is going to be next season.
2: Yeah exactly so again it all maybe comes back to that managerial appointment as well doesn't it that's foreboding on the horizon you know there's so much up in the air as well for United and Ty, without a game this midweek, I guess there's going to be even more focus on the Derby this weekend. Of course, City you are in FA Cup action against Peterborough on Tuesday night. But do you think Granik will already have in mind the, the type of team he wants to play against City this weekend? Or do you think that this is a big week in terms of players given their role in training and that we could see some surprises?
1: I think he's probably got a pretty good idea. Um, I mean, there's not a lot of options available at the moment to him, is there? So I think it's. You know the real issue i guess is going to be in midfield how he how he formats that midfield whether they look to go kind of back to that 4231 which they have done a little bit recently or, or whether they take again the sitting a 433 what what pogba's role is if he plays at all um i mean of, of those changes you should imagine sancho's obviously a certainty to come back in you'd think sancho rashford and ronaldo and the success United have had against City in recent years, especially the Etienne, has been built on the counter-attack, and you probably need Sancho and Rashford in the team for that. And then in, you know, it would feel like a surprise if he played Pogba and Fernandes in a three-man mm. midfield against City. Um, so I think it would probably be a, a slightly more defensive version and a lot dependent on, on McTominay. With, with all you'd imagine, he'll probably be back then, but a lot will depend on
2: three, that. Do you 3-5-2 at all, or do you think Ranić will just have to go forward back?
1: I, I can't really. Um, I think he'll probably play four at the back. I can't see him switching to a three yeah. at the moment. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting because he's had, you know, he, he couldn't have, beyond that Atletico game, he couldn't have handpicked an easier run of games really to, to start. I mean, I think he's had 13 Premier League games. Highest team they played at home is West Ham. Highest team they played away, I think, is Aston Villa. Um, I think they've won seven of the 13. I mean, it's. Distinctly average against average opposition, and now the the average opposition is basically done. It's much much tougher opposition to to play, and in a way, that's kind of suited United in the past, not this season necessarily, um but certainly under Solskjaer, it suited them pretty well. But still, does feel like the, the difficulty levels going up an awful lot now, and it's going to be interesting to see how they cope because if they perform against the likes of City and Liverpool the way they have been performing recently, then. You know, they're going to get thrashed again. And that's the, that's the reality of it. So there is there is huge work to do. Having the full week to, to plan for City might help because we have seen Ranjit come up with some decent game plans. Things have worked for him. But still, you know, it still feels like we're talking about this top four race. I mean, United should have put it to bed over this 13 games. They've left themselves really, really vulnerable. Um, I mean, like I say, Arsenal's three games in hand are, are really tough. Beyond that, I think their run pretty easy and they have made it, they have made a habit of beating the teams below them very comfortably, which United have failed to do, and if they do that, then it's, it's probably Arsenal's for the taking, and United have still got oh, yeah. to go to the Emirates, Um so I think United are really up against it now, and their best hope is that they do what United teams have done in, in recent years, and that's turn up for the big games and, and put in a performance, but then we saw in Madrid that, that, you know, they got a good result there, but they got away with one, they didn't, that first half, they didn't turn up for a big game, so, and um, the, the pressure is definitely on this weekend and I think it's the start of a, a really defining run for United.
2: I guess as well this question will be easy to answer after this defining run but right now as fan, things stand after this nil draw of Watford, Samuel do you think United will get top four this season and if not who do you think will? Well, that's the weird thing you, you go through them individually and you you. I tend to say none of them will, but obviously
0: one of them has to. Uh, I, I thought with with Conte going into Tottenham that he, he'd have knocked them into shape, but I mean he he might not even be there at the start of next season or even in a few months' time. And they had a, they had a great, a genuinely great win at City, and then they go to Burnley and they do what Tottenham do. Um, you know, it's, it's strange to even. Even suggest it might be Arsenal's for for the taking. Still, I, I, they've, they, to, when I when I look at Arsenal and going back to that City game on New Year's Day, I think it was, and how well they played in the first half, and it was one of the best halves they had in in years. And they've they've got the makings of a serious side with some of the players like Tierney, Partey, um, Martinelli, Smith Rowe, Saka. But there are so, so many deficiencies in that team still. I, I, I'm still, you know, reserving judgment on Ramsdale. He has had a very, very good season. He's exceeded expectations. But I still struggle to take him seriously as a potential Champions League goalkeeper or, or, or number one for England. But he is, he is having a good season. And sometimes things might just, you know, go Arsenal's way. And they, look, they they showed resilience against Wolves last week. And I, I wasn't actually surprised that they, they did win that game, despite the fact that they they went one 0 down. They have got some form of resilience um, in them that, that Arteta has instilled. But just just the sign, you know, the sight of I think it was it Gabriel at full time whipping his shirt and you know, te- you know, almost embarking on the lap of honour. I remember seeing something similar to that when Arsenal got a draw at United in November two thousand seven, and you you were expecting a trophy parade to come out because they, they were that success staff at the time, and that element of the club is, is still there. But they, they seem to have a bit more metal than United at the moment. So it, it probably changes every week, but as it, as it stands at the moment, and if United beat City this week somehow, maybe I'll say United this time next week. But given the way things have gone, uh, in recent games, then Arsenal are the obvious one to go for. I, I just look at West Ham. I think that the, the manager's mentality is just too—it's—it's—it's it's, it's too limited for them to finish in the Champions in, in the final Champions League place. Um, if, if they get Europa League again, that's that's really good going for them. I think it would be a, to be honest. I think it'd actually be a travesty if West Ham under David Moyes somehow qualified for the for the Champions League. I, I just don't think they're worthy of it.
2: <laughs> Ty, um, how about yourself on that then, top four? I mean, I know you've sort of answered similarly to, to Samuel as well, but for me, you know, I can just see United somehow mustering enough. And, you know, the, like we said as well, when they've got all this sort of, when everyone writes them off in these games, particularly these sort of runs, you just almost expect United to, to get some, don't you?
1: I mean, you do, yeah, but let's not forget how poor they were against. City and Liverpool earlier this season they didn't they didn't do it then particularly um, so I mean it's just it's hard to say because they've just been average for so long now they've just not played very well for for so long what is it like is it fourteen wins out of thirty one now since that Newcastle game something like that and you look at the points that United have taken since then and Arsenal have taken since then um, I mean that that day when United beat Newcastle four one United had ten points from twelve and. You had them down as title challengers. That was four games into the season. It was the first goal Arsenal scored, the first points they got. They beat Norwich 1-0 and looked an embarrassment, basically. They looked more like relegation contenders. And now they're two points behind United with three games in hand. So they've they've been performing better than United over a long, long period. I mean, that's 20-odd 20, 20 games, twenty three, I think 23 games for United, 20 games for Arsenal. And they performed a lot better than United in terms of, Points they've picked up so i think i would be leaning towards arsenal as well they just seem to they just seem to have something about them and they've got by far the easier running those games in hand are tough but you, you know they only need to win one of them and they go above united and united have got to go to the emirates as well as playing all of the top three as well as still playing Tottenham. that you know the running is hard for united there's no doubt about it and i think On on that reason, I'd probably lean towards Arsenal. But you are right. I think there's still an expectancy. I mean, I have no idea what the bookmakers' odds are, but I would be surprised if United weren't still favourites just because I think there is an expectancy. But, you know, it should never have come to this, really. I said in my piece at the weekend, which was misconstrued by a number of Arsenal fans who do like to dominate social media, that, you know, it's an embarrassment for United that they're even in this position having to compete with Arsenal when you look at where the two teams were at the start of the season.
0: Yeah.
1: I remember driving back with Samuel from Southampton, I think the third game of the season, when United had only drawn... this? was the movie? The second weekend, yeah. Yeah, and Arsenal were losing at home to Chelsea, I think, and you could just tell there was complete revolt at the Emirates, just getting angry at Arteta's substitutions, angry at another weak performance, and they were awful at the start of the season, but they've improved gradually, and they do look... They look the most sort of coherent team at the moment, the most united team... Arteta's made some bold decisions. They're built around youth. They're all singing from the same hymn sheet. They're playing a, yeah, you know, they're, they're playing a brand of football that they're all buying into. You don't get that feeling with United or Tottenham particularly. Um, so on, on that evidence, you know, maybe Arsenal. But I think it would be, and an, it would be a massive embarrassment for this United squad to finish behind that Arsenal squad, especially where they both were at the start of the season. But I think it's getting increasingly. More and more likely that that
2: probably might happen. Yeah, like I said, it's just those sort of stereotypical buzzwords of consistency and momentum, all you need. But it is true, isn't it? You can see that Arsenal team have a have a plan and they're at least executing it to some degree. so I guess the final question for you then is: It's the odd quirk of United that when they miss out on the Champions League, they tend to spend more money though. Um, is that still going to be maybe the belief is some that you know if United miss out on Champions League, like we said, it might mean that Ronaldo goes, but it's certainly players out of contract. United still have to be confident that they can recruit players this summer. Surely,
0: regardless. well, they have to. They have to spend a um, a pretty sizable amount. Whatever happens, because the the domestic season has been a failure. Uh, just three cup games out of the second hurdle in, in in the FA Cup. It's good, as good as it gets in the Premier League. Will be fourth. That is a failure. Uh, given that they finished just the fact they finished second last season. False finish, though it was. But they went into this season as intended, you know, apparent title challenges and that challenge never even was over before it even started. And as far as the Champions League is concerned, I'd say that is probably 51-49 in United's favour. Some of the recent results at Old Trafford um, have, you know, that that, Atletico Madrid will like the look of that. I think Atletico will have a lot more about them as well, probably in the second leg. Koke will probably be back. Griezmann or Suarez might start. You, you would pros- probably fancy Atletico to score, so I don't think, especially even even if the away goal rule did count, it wouldn't have been particularly significant. I don't think United were ever going to be in the mood to you know, play out a, a nil-nil draw in the second leg. So the, the, the dynamic, I don't think it's changed too much there, even though there's no away goals. So the you know, the expectations that they'll still end this season trophyless, that would be five years without a trophy. Um, this will be the most unsuccessful period in the club's history since the nine years between the European Cup in 68 and the FA Cup in 77. And of course, during that that period, they got relegated. So a lot of players are going to get tarred with that brush. A lot of players just need shipping out. A lot of players want out. A lot of players are going. Um, A new manager's coming in. There's going to be a hell of a lot of upheaval probably too much upheaval for them to even challenge for the title next season. I think they've probably already got their their ducks lined up to excuse them falling short there already. Uh but as you say, that that is the quirk of it. But going back to that 2019 summer, I mean their stock was so, so low that they had to go to Crystal Palace and Swansea and you know Leicester at that time were not the Leicester that Rogers made them into in that they were mid-table mm. side. they might have even finished in the bottom half um, in 2018-19 and United you know, they, in some ways they, they had to go for Harry Maguire because they certainly weren't, weren't going to get Matthias Delitt or Koulibaly or some of the other more um, more esteemed centre-backs around at that point and the, the problem at that time was that United had no Champions League football to offer and they also did not have a manager with pulling power um, that wasn't the case in 2016 when Mourinho came in, because you knew that there would be some some names out there that would want to play for Mourinho, and that proved to be the case. So a lot of hinges on on who the coach is that, that that comes in, because he will certainly hold sway in terms of uh, the the futures of some players if if an offer comes in for United, and they have to weigh up whether they want to join them or not. Um, but I think the way the season's going, it's, it's just destined to be unsuccessful unless they do what Porto or Liverpool or Chelsea in 2012 did, and somehow, you know, that they have one of these freakish runs and end up winning the Champions League.
2: Yeah, like you said there, Samuel, I think you summed it nicely. There's just so much at play, so much mitigation, so much uncertainty. You just, you don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, all we can say is follow the MEN all the way to the end of the season. We'll keep you updated on all of that. And Samuel, Ty, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester Israel podcast.
1: Thank you, Rich. Thank
2: you, Rich. Thank you very much, wherever you are in the world as well. We will be back later in the week to look ahead towards the Manchester derby as well and do a special preview of that. So for all now, enjoy your midweek off. Who knows what you'll get up to, but we'll see you again next time. Please leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.